The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin. I am Tom Valentino. He is Travis Yuli. Travis, uh, it's been a while for us. How you doing, man? Doing good, buddy. Doing good. We're getting crushed with the white death down here, but uh, doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, just driving up from Chardon a little while ago. I did a uh, birthday and uh, a little uh, a veteran uh, ceremony um, for my grandpa. He, uh, he's turning 93 this week, and... Um, he had uh, served in the army uh, many years ago, and I got to hear some cool stories about that. But uh, yeah, made it back up to Painesville just in time here. Let's, uh, Good old snowbell. Good That's old right. snowbell. That's right. <laughs> Chardon, man, they are they are taking it in the teeth down there. It is it is uh, the the belt buckle of the snow belt, and they, they always do. Hit. So we got a lot to catch up on here. You were out of the country. Uh, during the Super Bowl, among other things, and uh, not too much about the actual game itself, but I'm curious, the time difference over there, were you about six or seven hours ahead? Yeah, it's, I was in uh, Tel Aviv, Israel. It's seven hours ahead there. So the game started at around 1.30 in the morning. Um, also, I had actually, I'd flown in there on Saturday, and I, t- I left here on Friday, got there on Saturday, it's about 17 hours in the air, plus you lose seven. So it's basically you lose a whole day. Um, got in there Saturday. I actually worked, went into my office on Sunday. So if you're in Israel, they, they their, their week is off by a day. So the, their Saturday is Sunday, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which makes sense, obviously, right? They're most largely Jewish over there. So they, they observe on Saturdays. So I went in on Sunday. I worked on Sunday, got off. I was obviously pretty jet lagged at this point. And got back to my hotel uh, relatively early. And in my head, I'm like, I honestly don't care that much about the Super Bowl. Like, it's not a team I'm in. Neither team am I invested in. And I, I, I just, I don't have a good reason to stay up for it. So uh, I slept through most of it. I did. I don't sleep particularly well when I'm off by that much, obviously. So I, uh, I did wake up a little bit and watched a little bit of the game just in the middle of the night, which is kind of hilarious because you hear the, uh, hearing a game called in Hebrew is, (laughs) is more entertaining than you might expect. It's pretty funny. Um, so yeah, I didn't watch any of the Super Bowl. I didn't see any of the commercials. I didn't see much of the game. I watched, they actually replayed it the next night. And when I was sitting in my room, I, I watched it then, but um yeah it's 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 sort of a weird feeling because i've always been one of those those guys you know whenever they release the um the super bowl rating on the monday after or whatever i'm always like who who are the you know twenty thousand, twenty million, 20 million whatever number it is right that didn't watch the super bowl um in the u.s and i i guess i didn't watch it but i also like i i don't really feel like i miss that much either no, I mean, it, it was a Super Bowl. It was a good game. Uh, the commercials were fine. Um, it is what it is. But, yeah, I, I just I had to ask you about that because I was thinking about this, and I've been west of here, like on the West Coast. I th- that would be the farthest I've ever gone um, out of the Eastern time zone. Uh, so I, I've been that direction. So, you know, when there have been big games going on. So I can remember – like being in Las Vegas during Cavs uh, playoff games or a couple years ago when the Cavs were, I think in the second round against the Raptors in uh, LeBron's last year here, I was at Disneyland. Um, so, you know, if you're not working, having playoff games coming on at four 30 or five o'clock is awesome, but I, I've never experienced uh, being like way ahead time wise and, you know, having a major sporting event happening in the middle of the night. So I uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I was wondering how you handled that, and I guess the, we got our answer there. You slept through most of it. Yeah, the funny thing is, like, I'm obviously a pretty big football fan, and if I was home, I would have watched the game. There were there was a guy in my office actually who he came in late. He took off the the morning on Monday and stayed up and watched the game. and And, and it's funny because he he did this and he went out of his way to watch the Super Bowl, but. 
it doesn't just in talking to him. I don't know his, all of his habits, obviously, but um, it doesn't seem like he watches a ton of football. He doesn't seem like a huge diehard football fan. He's from Israel. So it's not like he, um, he grew up in the U S or something and, and moved or anything like that. He, he, just for whatever reason, it seems like he just loves the spectacle of the Super Bowl. So that was kind of interesting. Also thing I found kind of, it, it was, it was kind of weird. I didn't really even think about it until I was there. They don't play the American commercials and at times they don't play any commercials. So when I was watching there, it was when the U S was going to a commercial break, they randomly showed like a NFL highlight film from the season that the NFL apparently had put together or something like that in oh, place wow. of the commercials. Yeah, it was, it was kind of weird. I mean, it's much, it's, it's, it's just different. I mean, it's, it's, they obviously, I, I sort of wondered because there's such an entertainment aspect to the commercials too. There's such a big part of it with the Super Bowl. I kind of thought they just air those too, right? They just include those with the whole broadcast for, for the hell of it. But um yeah they they at times they don't record they don't uh they don't play any they just show other random stuff which was sort of interesting too if they're not going to show the commercials then what they should be doing there is like if you're at the stadium and they just show crowd shots on the jumbotron for two and a half or three minutes yeah they should just have a feed of those going just right so can, although like, the crowd's not t- t- generally very good at the super bowl anyway so i don't know Oh, you get a few, and you get a, a diverse. Uh, you know, you get the yeah, super I mean, you always find yeah, you always find some that are life savings, right? And then the the, the rich corporate uh, muckety mucks and exactly. But yeah, no, it can... was it was weird, and and I'll be honest, I don't feel like I missed a whole lot. It wasn't like a big deal to me, and even if truthfully, if I was here, I would have just watched it in my living room, anyways, probably. But even if someone had, you know, maybe a friend's throwing a party or something along those lines, I probably don't still don't feel like I would have missed that much. So um, honestly, ask, remember this conversation, ask me again next year. Um, and I'll be interested to see if, if I look at it any differently at that point. Um, probably not. Cause it'll still just be truthfully. I don't know that I've ever really taken it that seriously or gotten that into it in the first place. So it'll still just be a thing that, Hey, it's Sunday night. And what the hell else am I going to do? I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, but um, it definitely does put a little different perspective on it. I think you're going to have a much different attitude about the Super Bowl next year. Oh, you when mean the, when the Cleveland Browns when are in When the Cleveland it? Browns are playing. That's, That's right. right. I love it. And when yeah, they win, you know what? Oh. When, when they win, you and I, we, uh, we're going to have to go out to dinner to celebrate. Probably not at the Cheesecake Factory. No. Um, right. Anyway. Hey-o. Anyway. Uh, no, it's funny because, and really quick before we move on, and I did, um, I mentioned this to, because uh, a few people asked me as I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be in Israel for the Super Bowl, so I probably won't even watch. Everyone like that I had sort of talked to it about was like, what would you have done if the Browns were in it? And yeah. and and I honestly, and this is easier said, easy to say when I didn't have to actually make this decision, right? But I feel <laughs> like I would have probably just told my boss, all right, I'm going to fly out on Monday. I'll be a couple days late. Like I'm not, I have to be in Cleveland for that. I'm not going to watch it at 1.30 by myself in this damn hotel room. But uh, who knows? You know, it's easier easier said than done, like I said. So you'd, you'd come home to Cleveland for that then? Was this, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Would you be watching it with your family or, or trying to round up a crowd I'd of probably, uh, our, yeah. our usual idiot friends? Or uh... Yeah, most likely. I'd want to be with um, – I, I know I'd probably just want to watch it with folks who I know also are into the Browns. I'd probably, you know, the the normal folks that I'm that I'm prone to meet up with at the Muni lot – or otherwise, um, probably, you know, just, just the normal suspects. You know who they are. Yeah, it's a weird thing with our friends up here, I can tell you, because we've got that that usual group that uh, that we see, and it seems like around the Super Bowl, everybody kind of tends to scatter to different parties of other friends, and I don't know. It's always just been a thing. We, we had a nice little crowd over here at yeah, uh, Stanley nice. Valentino Manor. Nice, but, nice, nice. Yeah. I, Drinks uh, are flowing. Orders. Right. I bought a uh, I bought an air fryer. Pulled the trigger on an air fryer, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it made, the, the chicken wings were a big hit. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I'm very man, proud of myself. You look That's at you right. go. I feel like everybody has recently used an air fryer. I feel like I've seen eight different people post things online in the last few days about, "Oh, look what I made with our air fryer." I I, I feel so like they've been chicken. up forever, and everyone just got them. I don't know why it was it was an impulse buy for me. I'm like, you know what? I eat chicken. 
it feels like every other day and I'm like, yeah, you know, I get tired of, you know, making it the same way. I'm like, everybody's got one of these things. I, I ought to just do it. Why not? Let's get some wings and uh, you know, make a big batch of chicken wings and have some people over and watch the Super Bowl. So nice. it worked out. Nice. And uh, well, no regrets then. No, no regrets. Attaboy. Uh, all nice. in. Um, hey, speaking of football, you did not watch. Uh, we got to talk about the XFL for a few minutes because um, I uh, I had less than zero interest going into it. And uh, Saturday, I had about a half an hour to kill before we were going to a, a family event at my in-laws. And I was like, you know what? I'm seeing a bunch of people talking about this game uh, that's going on right now on my Twitter feed. Cardale Joe's is playing in it. Oh, what the hell? I'm going to turn it on. Way better and way more entertaining and a much better product than I ever would have suspected. And I actually made a concerted effort on Sunday to catch some of those games as well. Have you given any thought whatsoever to the XFL uh, before this past weekend or based on anything you've heard since? I'll admit I'm probably the I'm probably the the typical and I didn't watch any of it. I was sufficiently uh, jet lagged and knocked out for two days. Um, Saturday and Sunday. So I, it's not that I didn't have any interest in it or that um, I made a conscious decision not to watch it. I didn't watch anything. Um, <laughs> I was I was asleep for basically 48 hours. Um, but I, I'll say my hunch is that I'm probably in the same boat as a vast majority of the Twitterverse that was interested in that it would be... It, I, if, it, if it's on again this weekend, and it, it, I'm assuming it probably is. I don't even yeah. know the schedule or anything. Um, I would go, I, I'm not going to say I'd go out of my way, but I would I would get interested and invested in watching Cardell Jones play. And I think okay. that's probably a lot of what we saw from Ohio people is, oh, hey, cool. Cardell Jones, Cardale Jones is playing football again. This is fun. Whatever. Um, it also seems like the feedback is that the product was decent. Um, yeah. There's a few things that people seem to like that were a little break from the norm. Um, not necessarily that it was that, you know, obviously no one thinks it's better than the NFL. And I don't think anyone expects the product to be, but it seems like there were a few sort of tweaks and rule changes and, and things they threw in there that everyone's like, yeah, this actually kind of worked. This is pretty decent. The thing that was interesting to me about this, I mean, if you think back of it, people have been saying for years that, you know, as football crazy as this country is, that there should be a market for spring football, like a spring football league. And the road is littered with examples of leagues that have failed in trying to do that. I mean, back in the 80s, there was the USFL, although I guess you could say that they did all right for a few years playing in the spring, and their undoing is when they tried to go up against the NFL in the fall. Um, but then after that, the NFL had that league over in Europe in the 90s, and then obviously there was the first XFL in 2001, I think it was, and then um, the AAFL last year. Uh, the thing with this, I'm, I'm almost kind of surprised that – it, I mean, I know it's still Vince McMahon, but I'm a little surprised that they kept the XFL name because this one is absolutely nothing like the first one. The first one was rushed out. There was that really good 30 for 30 that came out a, a few years ago about it, and it explained why it was such a spectacular failure. Like, you know, just it was rushed out way too soon. They waited an extra year uh, this year, you know, with, with this go around to try to plan it better. The rules changes versus the NFL, um, whereas the first XFL, you know, it was really kind of based on macho bullshit. You know, uh, we're not going to have anybody fair catching punts. You know, we're not going to have kickoffs. We're going to ha- or we're not going to have a coin toss. We're going to like put a ball at uh, midfield and have two guys race for it. And I think in like the first game, uh, the literally the first time they did this, somebody separated their shoulder. Um, this time, the rules changes are actually things that are, you know, interesting and, you know, make the game better. Uh, the the kickoffs are kind of cool where they've got the uh, the coverage team lined up all the way down the field. And, you know, you can't start going after the guy, you know, the, the kick returner until he actually catches the ball. 
um, you know, there's they've got now, I think it's like either a one-point conversion, two-point conversion, or a five-point conversion, which completely changes the arithmetic on, you know, scoring uh, differentials and, and game situations. So that was real interesting. And um, just a much better thought out uh, product. And uh, yeah, in where it felt like the first XFL, there was a ton of hype. And all of a sudden they rushed this out on TV and it was a flaming train wreck. This one, I felt like it actually kind of started with modest expectations. And then once people started watching it over the weekend, it was like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. I mean, like you said, the football is not quite as good. The, The half hour I watched on Saturday the offenses got bogged down and there really wasn't anybody scoring a lot of points, but you know, they warmed up, they got settled in, it, it got better. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fun. And to your point about Ohio, uh, the ratings kind of bear that out. That first game with Cardale playing, uh, I think Washington DC was the top market in the country, but uh, Cleveland and Columbus were two and three out of any TV market in the country. And they didn't even have a team in the game. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think there's been a lot of questions about how, what they can do to give it the best chance. I think they, they've obviously got some interest so far. Um, and it doesn't seem to be as gimmicky and ridiculous as last time around, which is probably good for them. I do think there's, 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 you're still going to find a niche that wants to see these guys that maybe just for whatever reason, didn't stick in the NFL. Like, I don't know if Cardell Jones can play in the NFL or not. Um, I, it doesn't seem like he's ever been in a place where he's got any sort of opportunity. And and the quarterback position is kind of unique, obviously, in that there's only one of them. And most teams don't. You don't have very. I, I think you don't have very long. You know, to 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 learn. You got to be pretty close to ready right away. Um, but I think guys like that who, you know, Ohio will always love Cardell Jones. Oh yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's always going to be people that, that want to see him, that will watch him play. Even if it's not, you know, it's not going to be huge ratings. It's not going to compete in any way with the NFL. But there's guys like that all over the country who have, you know, some draw and some intrigue because of, probably in all likelihood, because of what they did in college. Or if it's a guy like, um, I don't know, you, I'm just throwing this name out there, but like Gardner Minshew, right? Last year he had that thing in, in Jacksonville where he was decent for a few games. And if he flames out in the NFL in a couple of years and he pops back up in the XFL, could be fun to watch in that type of setting. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just sort of using him as an example. Um, but I think there's, there's a place for that, for those types of guys. And I think from all indications, maybe the XFL is onto something and they got a pretty good recipe so far. Yeah, and, and they've learned their lesson from the mistakes of the first one in terms of they're actually building and trying to build this thing on, you know, focusing on the on-field product. <clears throat> you, I don't. How much do you remember from the first XFL? I don't, I don't want to dwell on that too much if that's like a complete blank spot in your memory. No, a little. I mean, I watch. I remember watching the first game, and I remember, I remember being completely. Um, flabbergasted when they did the kickoff where where they just scramble for the ball yeah. um and like that and and honestly that being the first impression i think there were a part in my head i said this is this is never gonna work this is a joke like it, it was so gimmicky and trying so hard that i that i just knew it's 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 what it is to football what the wwf is to like olympic wrestling <laughs> like they're, they're, the, the the comparison is in like name and uh shape of ball only um right. so it, it was so far from what people were used to as football that it just i just you could tell it was never going to work and it sounds like maybe they've they've shifted some of that yeah they, there is absolutely no tie-ins to the wrestling side of wwe at all um you know that that first xfl on their B team broadcast they had i think jim ross calling games and i think jerry the king lawler got involved at some point and i'm pretty sure jesse ventura was doing uh some games as well he might have even been on their a crew but like this time espn who was it who did they there was someone they had on the first time and the guy was it was like and i can't remember who it was it was like a legit 
play-by-play oh, guy. Scurgeon. Yeah, and they like wanted him to be ridiculous. He's like, no, I'm not going to do this. I think they just fired him like in the middle of a game or something, or right after a game. And the next hey, game, uh, not a Jim fit. Ross and that run. Yeah, not and just that sort of. I think that is a pretty good, um, a pretty good uh, example of what the XFL used to be. I will say this for the first XFL for as much shit that they threw at the wall, at least a little bit of it stuck in terms of some of the broadcast production bells and whistles that they added. Uh, like, I don't think that there was like a cable cam hanging over the field before the XFL. I'm pretty sure that was an XFL uh, invention. I'm pretty sure uh, like guys being mic'd up on the field a, a lot better and, and, you know, on-field audio, made a pretty big leap forward um, in NFL broadcasts after the XFL. And I bring all that up because I, they rolled some stuff out this past weekend that I think we really should hope for in the NFL. Now Um, the the two big ones were you could actually like listening, listen into coaches calling in plays from the sidelines to the quarterbacks. And I think like all the skill position players, get the uh, have radios in their helmets so they're all getting the same call from the sideline so then the quarterback when they're in the huddle only has to give the uh, protection assignments to the offensive lineman so that was an interesting wrinkle and then the really good one was they've got a camera and a microphone up in the replay booth so anytime there's a challenge you actually are in there at with the replay official as he's like working through the process of trying to decide whether to uphold or overturn a call on the field. And uh, the level of transparency is, you know, it was really refreshing. I thought it was super interesting to see like what they're looking at, how they go through that, um, you know, asking for different angles, how they're reaching their conclusions. And, uh, you know, I, I think the NFL with some of the controversy with some of those replays that we've seen, especially in the last couple of years, I think the NFL could benefit from that um, if they would choose to, you know, roll out a similar type of deal uh, on their broadcasts. It's interesting you mentioned that because last time was it the AFL? What was the one from a few few months ago? The one that flamed out last? Oh, that was just last year. Uh, the AAFL. AAFL. That's what it was. Yeah. It's funny because we heard that, and obviously financially that thing was a disaster. But the one thing we did hear. The like the the Monday after that first weekend was that um, from a, a replay perspective, they seem to have it. I don't want to say figured out, but they're already doing some things better than the NFL is doing with instant replay. Um, and it sounds like there's probably some more of that in the XFL as well. Um, how quickly, if if at all, do you think do you think the NFL is is like willing to to acknowledge, yeah, okay, maybe these, maybe we can learn something from these guys, or do you think they'd be they're somewhat resistant to it? Well, because they weren't the ones that thought of it, they don't want to be, seen and they just copy. don't want to give, they just don't want to give any extra credibility to this other league. Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess there, there's an ego thing to get over from that perspective. You also got to get your officials to sign off on that because it's going to put them under a greater microscope. They enjoy a little bit of anonymity with the way things are done now. Um, so I, that would obviously be a hurdle to clear. Uh, I don't know. I mean, t- tough to say. Um, oh, I, I didn't. The other thing with it that uh, two other things that they do is they're a lot more comfortable with gambling references. I mean, ESPN, I think it was on their score bar at the bottom of the screen shows you who's favored by how many points and like what the over under is. And they've got it like sitting on the screen for the entire game with the down and distance. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're like, they just put it right out there. Now how anybody's able to set a line on games when you, you know, watching two teams that have literally never played a game before. I have no idea, but you know, there are degenerates out there who want to bet on these things. So somebody's going to make a line for it. Um, those were there. I think ESPN was a lot more open with it than, Fox was Fox would like uh, occasionally put things up, but ESPN, it was like right there. And the other thing that uh, both networks were doing, were actually interviewing players in games. Um, kind of back. I heard they want to feel like a kicker right after he missed a kick or something. 
Yeah, I think there was that. Um, the one that I saw was there was a guy who got flagged for like unnecessary roughness after the play. His team had just made a third down stop, but then he, uh, you know, took a cheap shot at somebody, got flagged for 15 yards, and you know, gave the other team a first down. And they went over and like tried to interview him on the sidelines. And like, what happened out there? Well, you know, we're just trying to go out there and do our fucking jobs. And, and... <laughs> I did. I heard an f bomb got through. Yeah, it, uh, yeah the, 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 uh, the sensor was, uh, you know, whoever was supposed to cut the audio there was asleep at the switch. And that was on uh, ABC. That was not even cable. So that was rough. But uh, other than that, yeah, it was um, it, it was pretty good. I, I did like that. And, uh, you know, it certainly added a layer of intrigue when they try to go interview somebody and they didn't want to talk. Because now all of a sudden the precedent's been set. That uh, hey, you know, you got to be accountable. You're gonna have a microphone in your face right. if something happens out there. Uh, you know, which could be kind of tough, heat of the moment, all that. But um, I, I don't know if the NFL will ever go that far. But some of the things I could definitely see making it over um, to the NFL at some point. Nice, you nice. Know. Yeah, I, I plan to. I mean, I hope to check it out this weekend. I'll, I'll put it on and and keep an eye on it. Um, I don't know. I guess it's something to sort of fill a space in the sports calendar that isn't particularly interesting. Yeah. Like, and it's, you know, it's two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday every week. I think it's like two o'clock and five o'clock on Saturdays and either the same times or one hour later on Sundays, maybe one game on ESPN, one game on Fox. And, did uh, anyone really like, did anyone really like stand out? Is there anyone that you saw and you're uh, that they, you know, that played in, in, I don't know, during the game, they were like, well, shit, this guy looks like he might be, you know, might have somehow slipped under the radar for like the NFL or anything like that. I personally, Is there anyone that looked incredible? I, I think there were. I personally did not see enough of the games to come away with any of that. I could tell you Fair. Aaron Murray from Georgia looked terrible. So if you want oh, somebody so on the opposite the end of the spectrum, um, okay. there, there you go. Uh, so Aaron Murray played like Aaron Murray. Uh, <laughs> he had some nice game, he had a good career at Georgia, but in Georgia, uh, Georgia, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's, yeah. that feels like forever ago. It does. It does. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some more guys kind of separating themselves as they go along. But uh, yeah, it was, it was fun for the first, uh, for the first week. It'll be interesting to see what kind of an audience they retain. Cause you know, it, it People are kind of, I think the XFL is pretty proud of drawing like, what was it, 3 million for their opening weekend games on average or whatever it was. And meanwhile, like the first XFL week one, I think they had like 14 million. I mean, it just kind of shows you what a different place TV is in now versus, uh, what was that, uh, 19 years ago. But, uh, you know, as everybody knows, yeah, that was the big crowd for week one the big viewership number. And then it just absolutely went off a cliff. Cause that first week everybody watched it. It was like, this is horrible and right. much better buzz this time. So I, I would guess the number is probably not going to be quite as high, but I, I would suspect that uh, they'll retain most of the, uh, the, the uh, audience that watched week one. So nice. we'll see. Cool. Yeah. I'll check it out this weekend. I'll have, I'll have more feedback next time. All right. Hey, speaking of, uh, changing rules and, and differences and, um, you know, the game evolving. Uh, how about baseball? The, uh, the proposal for the postseason that got floated out this week. Now there were some actual rules for the season for this year that uh, were uh, officially approved and um, that we've known about for a while, the three batter minimum for relievers and yeah, some different things with the rosters and whatnot. But uh, this proposal now, what are your thoughts on uh, expanding the postseason and letting teams with better records choose their opponents? No, <laughs> I'm a, I'm opposed to expanding the playoff no matter what. Um, I, I think agree. there's plenty of teams in it. Um, I personally think adding an extra team was stupid. I think the play-in game is stupid, even though it benefited the Indians at one point. Um, I, I just don't I don't I don't see anyone clamoring saying you know what we really need uh, we really need more teams in here yeah it would have been great if the Indians got into the world or into the playoffs last year right if they were they were one of the odd teams out they were right there I'm not sure if 
I think they were. Would they have been one of the first teams in? I don't, I don't even remember. I know they were really close, and I don't know how it all fell out. I think they would have been under this new proposal. They would have been in last year, but yes, no, I, I, I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't want more teams. I'm sick of everyone expanding. Like, it's, it's kind of the same discussion we have with, um, with college football. Oh no, no, no! We're not going down that it's, road again. <laughs> no, but my, but my logic remains the same. It's not quite as bad because, um, I think there's you know there's more parity in baseball than there is in college football um i i also hate the idea of having i don't like there being buys i i honestly i don't know why i've come to be okay with it in the nfl i don't have a strong opposition to the first round buy in the nfl but i hate applying it anywhere else i can't imagine imagine they you know in the nba if you know, maybe they reduced it to six and the first two teams got to buy. Um, and I don't know if that's how the math would work out. So don't test me. Don't, don't call me on that. But um, like, I, I don't see the, I don't see the need to reward, especially in baseball. Like divisions are so skewed. A couple of years ago when the Indians were, they won a hundred some games when they had the big streak, right? They just beat the shit out of a bad division. And they were a decent team. Obviously they were a good team, but were they, did they do anything really that, that said, Hey, they deserve this huge advantage in the playoffs. I don't think so. Um, I don't think anyone ever does. I think for the most part, those teams that usually the team that has a ton of wins and is that number one, okay. They get home field advantage, but they also probably played in a pretty weak division and they're, you know, they're as good as any of those other teams that are in it. They just happen to have a little bit more favorable schedule, things like that. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in favor of giving people, giving teams buys. I'm not in favor of making the, um, making it easier to get into the playoffs. Just a couple, a couple things that number one, I think the reason you're more comfortable with it in the NFL is because it's all we've ever known for as long as we've watched the NFL. Probably. probably um, yeah. It's just the way it's always been. Um, number two, I would say I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you about being against expanding the seven. I do not have a problem with expanding to five where they're at now. I was initially in favor of keeping it at four, but uh, the one thing that I always kind of felt with the four was their, the, the wild card team was not at enough of a disadvantage. Um, and I, I understand what you're saying about being able to, you know, win a division by beating up on a bunch of bad teams, but at the same time, I mean, functionally, there was really no difference between being the division winner of, you know, in the, having a three seed versus being the wild card in the four. And, you know, it, it being a wild card, I feel like, yeah, you're in, but you should be into a certain degree of peril uh, making it as a wild card. And I kind of like that you've got a, that one game do or die against another wild card team. Um, so I've, I've gotten on board with that in recent years. The thing I will say about going to seven, though, you know, people that were carrying water for this proposal were floating the idea out that, uh, hey, you know, this is going to bring more teams into contention. This is going to encourage more teams to spend. And I think it could actually have the opposite effect because. Yeah. People, that's like the people Indians, have made that argument. Well, I, I mean, yeah, they're, they're like, hey, you know, if you're a team that's like uh, right around 500 or you're winning, you know, 78 games or something like that right now, maybe this is going to push you to sign that extra guy and invest an extra five or 10 million in your payroll because now you that's can, a, you can, that's you know, an interesting leap in logic it's, to me, it's, to me and any, a team like the Indians and all those teams who are kind of in the middle, middle of the pack say, hey, it's easier to get in. I don't need to spend that much. I just need to get in the playoffs and then hope for the best. Exactly. Like if you're the Indians, you know, you're not finishing with the best record in the league most years. So getting that first round buy is out the window and you, you know, as we you just got to get to like, the, you just got to get to the mid eighties, right? Maybe hit 90. We, you're guaranteed we were, to spot we were, in. I mean, we just saw the world series this past year. That was, I mean, maybe this is a bit of a, you know, a, an outlier, but I mean, all seven games were won by the road team. I think in baseball, especially now, home field advantage doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, so, like, there's not a huge advantage to getting home field in the first round. You just need to get in. So, if you're any right. one of those spots, two through seven, just get into the dance and, you know, see what happens from there. And if you're the Indians, I mean, we're already, you know, 
frustrated by what they've done with their payroll over the last two off seasons. You know, you think it's been pretty dramatic, you know, the way they've cut the payroll now, imagine what happens when they see, Oh, well we won, you know, 90 something games last year. We could probably easily get in with like 85 wins next year. So, you know, where's the incentive to, you know, spend there. I mean, it's going to give teams like the Indians and others in that tier even more incentive to, you know, throttle back. So yeah, I'm, and I I could tell you from uh, looking at uh, Trevor Bauer's Twitter feed, I don't think we're alone in our thoughts on this. Um, What did you make of uh, his comments this week? Cause he's been uh, pretty vocal. Um, (laughs) It's funny. We talked about it. I, I've never, I, I'm not going to say I didn't like Trevor Bauer when he's with the Indians, but I didn't like having to root for Trevor Bauer when he was with the Indians. And he's a guy that, that he's obviously very, like he's very analytical and very intelligent. He knows, you know what he's, he, he, for the most part, he has a, a pretty decent thought process when he, when he talks but he also complains a lot to the point where I just can't stand when I hear him talk. So even when he makes a good point, which I think he did, um, it's like, God, can't you pick someone that doesn't just drive everyone crazy? Like no one seems to like Trevor Bauer. If we're looking for the voice of reason, let's put it with a guy who people actually want to listen to. Um, but like I said, I think he, he probably makes some decent points. Um, and I don't know. I have, I'll say this, my biggest complaint with um, these rule changes um, is that somehow we're still going to be playing games in the World Series where one night we play under one set of rules and the next night we play under another set. Until they make the DH across the league, and stop treating one and stop using two sets of rules for based on whatever park they happen to play in. It, that's my biggest complaint. And the fact that they haven't actually done anything about that is ridiculous at this point. Um, and the other stuff I don't really care about, like the whole it's, it all seems like they're driving it around making fans, you know, making speeding the game up, keeping people engaged. I don't think the three minutes they save a game with, you know, making a pitcher pitch to three guys is going to make a whole lot of a difference because when that pitcher gets lit up two more batters in a row just because they had to leave him in the game, that's going to extend the game a little bit. So I don't really know what they're trying to accomplish um, with that one specifically. That's the one that sort of jumped out at me the most. You're not going to see those guys, you know, situational guys who come in with and just face one batter. So, okay, I guess whatever. I'm not going to get too fired up about it. I don't care that much. It just... I don't think it's going to have any real effect. It's going to be one of these things we talk about, and um, and that's it. We never really – if it sticks, then 10 years from now we'll be like, oh, yeah, we it used to be another way, but who cares? Like it's not going to make that big of a difference. I kind of wonder if National League teams are going to be more amenable to adopting the DH once this three-batter minimum goes into effect. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe, I think it maybe national I am. teams way more than American. Yeah, teams. yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah, it definitely does. Um, I, just because of the style of game there. Um, yeah, so maybe I am on board with this rule change more than I thought. <laughs> if it gets us there in a sort of roundabout way, um, <laughs> then okay. I guess I, I guess I'm not going to complain too much. Um, it's just something that doesn't really move the, the needle for me one way or another. I mean, okay, we'll we'll see how it works this year. I guess I shouldn't complain too much because at least they're trying something. It's it, it's not that big of a deal. They'll throw it out there, see if it sticks, um, and go from there. You know, so it's it is what it is, and I hate saying that because it's such a dumb thing to say, but um, it doesn't it doesn't get me fired up one way or another. I don't have strong feeling about it. You know, it's interesting to me, just from a, a bigger picture here, you you know, we're talking about these changes that Major League Baseball is looking at implementing. You know, we just got done talking about the XFL and the different wrinkles that they're bringing to the game of football and things that could be 
brought to the NFL. You know, the NFL is always uh, tweaking things. I mean, they're constantly seems like they're looking for a different way to get to that, uh, you know, 17th game on the schedule. You know, I'm seeing this week there's, you know, the, the next television deal for the NFL is coming up here in a couple of years. And they're looking for ways to try to bring flex scheduling to Monday Night Football. Um, and then, you know, we can get into the NBA here next. I mean, the NBA, there that's another league that is looking at making some really radical changes. I mean, I, I think the conversation around this has kind of cooled off in the last month or two. But, you know, the, the proposal was put out to expand the NBA playoffs to, you know, basically put the seven and eight seeds in each conference up for grabs. With uh, did you or did you see this proposal? Um, do, do I need to run through this at all? Run it down for us. Okay, so basically, teams that that finished seventh through ten in each conference would have like a, almost like a mini tournament of sorts for the last two playoff spots. The seven and eight teams would play each other. The winner of that one game gets the seventh seed. The ninth and tenth team. Ninth place and tenth place teams play each other. The winner of that plays the loser of the other game, and whoever wins that game would get the eighth seed. And then the other thing that the NBA was looking at doing was reseeding for the conference finals. So once it gets down to four teams, then seeding those remaining four teams based on records um, and doing away with you know the conference finals yeah. as we know them now. Okay. Um, it just um, broader, you know, it just, it's interesting to me. I can't ever remember a time in the 30 something years that I've been watching sports now where all three leagues were looking at like radical changes all at the same time. And it's all really for the same thing. It's, it's just, it's more competitive now than ever in trying to get people in the stadiums, get people watching games on TV you know, the NBA. It's, it's, uh, it's a never ending storyline. Um, you know, TV ratings. I think we're seeing, you know, the report that's going to come out tomorrow. I saw somebody from Sports Business Journal uh, tweeting out a, a preview saying that like TV ratings in the NBA are down 12% again this year over last year. Um, just a, it, it's an interesting time for pro sports in general, I feel like. Yeah. Um, to, to the NBA thing you just described, um, I'll give you my opinion. I, I don't really get the point of this. this play in tournament thing it seems kind of dumb and gimmicky so count me out on that one um the second part about reseeding i don't have a problem with that i think that's i think that's reasonable um i I don't think it moves the needle much one way or another i don't think it really changes i i I honestly don't really consider it that radical of a change um provided they're they're not proposing to get rid of east and west are they after the first two rounds, basically, yeah, because like the last two oh, teams. In, okay. So basically, it would be like the last two teams in the East and the last two teams in the West. You'd look at those four teams. At that point, conferences would no longer matter. So okay. in um, past years, I think it could have ended up where like the Cavs and Warriors were playing in the you know NBA round, semifinals instead semifinal. of the finals. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um. That changes a little bit. That's obviously pretty radical, um, but I don't. I don't know. I thought that's one I, I'm not opposed to. I, I I'd give it a go. See how see how it looks. Um, I think it 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 creates, and honestly, the 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 sort of like rivalries that we're used to. We'll use the Cavs and the Warriors as an example. I think those opportunities are sort of few and far between. Um, where you see the same teams in the finals for several years in a row. Um, I think that's probably pretty unlikely that we see that um, see that happen very often, right? So from that perspective, um, I don't know that that should really factor in. I do think you can sort of run the risk of of eliminating the regional rivalries like we saw. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily qualifies as a rivalry, but when Durant was still in Oklahoma City, the Thunder and the Warriors had a chance, I think, if some, if they could have beaten the Thunder or could have beaten the Warriors. Those types of things where the same teams are meeting in the you know the conference finals or, or whatever it happens to be at whatever point in the playoffs, I think if you eliminate the opportunity for those, it, it might be a net negative. But overall, I don't 
I don't know that people care that much about where the teams are located in the playoffs. Do you? I mean, I feel like for the most part, if, if people get into the NBA playoffs and if they're going to get into the NBA playoffs, it's not going to make a difference who's playing who. Um, I don't know that you're going to see much shift either direction. So what the desired impact of that is, I'm not sure. Obviously, it's all probably geared around, you know, viewers and money, but I don't know if that moves the needle in any recognizable way. Well, I think the the theory behind that is like doing whatever you can to get the best two teams playing in the the last round in the finals. And I mean, there's been talk from for years among NBA media about just having a straight one through 16 bracket irrespective of conferences. And, you know, the reason that's never really gotten any serious traction is because of travel concerns. And, you know, you don't want teams going back and forth and back and forth for four rounds. And I get that. And that's why it'll probably never get to that point. Um, yeah. It's but, also like, I, I, I sort of get why someone might think that's a good idea, but if you think about it, look at like the Warriors, for example, they were the best team for several years and put them in a position where, I don't know, maybe the, the 16 seed in this scenario is, I don't know, Boston or Orlando or, you know, someone like that. That's, that's not a benefit for Golden State. While, you know, a number two team, like maybe Cleveland's playing Milwaukee or someone that's right there, you know, that's, you're in theory, you're trying to reward that number one seed, the team that, you know, supposedly or whoever has the best record and, you know, reward them for having that best record during the regular season. But and instead you're the giving cases them where you're, miles. you're penalizing them. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know they fly on private jets and it's not, they're not, you know, sitting in coach, but it's still, that's taxing. It's not, it's not easy still to sit on a plane for four or five hours a day, you know, every other day for two weeks. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, I, I just quickly with the Cavs and you were, were well beyond the trade deadline. Now I, I'm trying to remember, were you back by the time the, uh, the trade deadline happened and the Cavs made their deal for Andre Drummond? I was, so what time, what time does the, what time did the deadline like pass? It was uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time last Thursday. Thursday. So I would have been sitting at the airport waiting okay. to fly back. Um, Where were you when the Cavs traded for yeah, Andre Drummond? Um, I was yeah, sitting in Tel Aviv airport. Um, it's it's an interesting move. I, I I don't know what to think about. I know it's it's people have kind of been panning it because it's I think most people are sort of of the mindset that Andre Drummond is. Is, is kind of a, a stat patter and a a guy who doesn't may not necessarily have much of a place in the NBA these days, the way the game is played. Um, although I saw he was, he was chucking some threes yesterday or two days ago. Uh, seemed like I was getting some run, but um, he's, I honestly, I didn't realize he's only 26. <laughs> um, I thought he was considerably older than that. Um, I don't know what, it's it's obviously um it's not a it's not a tank move I don't no. think right it's it's not a move to you know stockpile assets or or build um I don't know to build or to change the direction of the team or anything like that I I don't know what it's supposed to accomplish it's not I wouldn't call I, it a it's not a blockbuster trade or anything like that I I think it was a kind of wild that the Cavs ended up being the team that on trade deadline at the trade deadline acquired the biggest name player uh, given where they're at right now. Um, yeah, exactly. Vacuum, I mean, that that's kind of crazy. I love yeah. the fact that even in a miserable season like this and God knows they needed a shakeup because these first couple months, I don't think you and I have had an extended discussion about the Cavs since uh, they were like two weeks into the season. And we were talking about how fun they were. Um, that feels like about a hundred years like, ago. Yeah, that feels like ages ago. Because pretty much immediately after that, they fell off a cliff, um, and it's it's been miserable ever since uh, for a, a variety of reasons. And just anything to break that up, uh, I was completely in favor of. 
Um, and I'm delighted by the fact that even in a miserable season, the Cavs can still find a way to be the most interesting team in the league at the trade deadline. Um, that the trade deadline for the Cavs, especially in uh, the Dan Gilbert era of owning the team, has always it's it's fun every year. I destroys my work productivity, but um, it's a delight to follow. And I was I went into that uh, last Thursday thinking that it was probably going to be a Tristan Thompson trade. Um, if they were lucky, maybe unload some of those other expiring contracts, uh, stockpile a few second round picks, uh, you know, maybe pull off a miracle and get like a late first rounder or, uh, even, you know, beyond just a miracle, find somebody to uh, take Kevin love, um, for fair market value. And instead out of nowhere, Tristan stays, Kevin Love's still here. And, you know, on top of that, you add Andre Drummond. And nobody's getting a buyout. Everybody's here for the rest of the year now. Um, not the direction I was expecting. The thing that uh, actually, to me, became more interesting coming out of that was the reaction that it got. Um, I feel like locally it was a lot of, well, this guy could be a free agent after this year. And if he chooses to opt in for his deal for next year, you're not going anywhere anyway, and you're going to have the cap room. So, you know, you've really got nothing to lose there. Um, this is basically an extended rental. Ah, what the hell? Let's see what happens. Um, if nothing else, you've got somebody to, you know, kind of anchor the paint after you would presume Tristan signs somewhere else next year. Right. Um, but I feel like, there was a real backlash against the Cavs from like the national NBA media. And then that in turn kind of sparked uh, a, a backlash to the backlash. Like, you know, I think, you know, there was one, I think it was the ringer had like a post trade deadline analysis piece that gave the Cavs an F for the trade deadline. And a lot of people were like up in arms over that. Um, I don't know if you saw that piece, but it uh, some people got uh, kind of bent out of shape about that. And, and I, a couple things that I thought about that. Number one, consider the source. The Ringers got some fine NBA writers. They've got a, a couple. The guy who actually wrote that story that got people up in arms, I had literally never heard of before that day. And I went and looked him up on there. He's had 10 bylines since last July. So, I don't know why I'm supposed to care what he thinks about the Cavs, um, let alone get upset about it. Because Bill uh, Simmons says you're supposed to care. I don't even know. Bill Simmons doesn't even care. He just got $250 million from Spotify. He doesn't care about anything right now. God, I hate that person. <laughs> God, I hate him. Get rich. Secure the oh, bag. That's, Jesus, what he, right? like, that's what he's thinking about right now. Um, but I'll, I'll say this. A couple things, and I'll try not to get too long-winded about this, but number one, as long as Dan Gilbert owns the Cavs, they're absolutely never going to get the benefit of the doubt in terms of having a plan. They are a circus, even in the best of times. So the idea that the Cavs have got some sort of vision, I, I think it's going to be a while. You, you're going to have to show some results. The Cavs have not had a winning record as a franchise for a season. Um in a in a year without LeBron James since 1998, um, that 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 is a stink that is at some point gotta that's a stigma they're gonna have to overcome, and I know that even predates uh, the Gilbert ownership years. Um, but but beyond that, you know, I, I was listening to uh, our our buddy Craig from Waiting for Next Year, and you know, he was talking about just the way the the national media you know, covers the NBA and, and views the NBA. And, you know, there's this expectation that when it comes to teams like the Cavs, that their function is if they're not in contention, that they should be basically serving as cannon fodder or a feeder system to the glamour markets. You know, it, it's, it's their job to be, you know, they, they owe it to the league to be trading off Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love for pennies on the dollar to, to the good teams, you know, to the big market teams. Cause you know, they're just wasting away in Cleveland who the hell wants to be in Cleveland. And in a way I kind of feel like 
this really, you can trace this all the way back to like, this is the legacy of David Stern and his NBA. You know, David Stern built the NBA on big stars in glamour markets. You know, it, it, it goes back to the eighties with magic Johnson in Los Angeles, Larry bird with the Celtics, Michael Jordan in Chicago. I mean, one of the great conspiracy theories in all of sports is the first lottery being rigged to get Patrick Ewing to the Knicks. When David Stern died not long ago, there was a story that I was reading that he was like openly grumbling with, um, you know, reporters within earshot. He was aggravated in the 2007 draft lottery that Portland and Seattle got the top two spots because they were not big enough markets for Greg Oden and Kevin Durant. He was like, he was openly aggravated that those guys were not going to be going to better markets than Portland and Seattle. Hmm. Um, You have an entire generation of NBA media that has grown up on and, and been raised with the mindset of big stars, big markets, and that's what drives the league. And that's what's best for the league. I can remember that. I don't know why this always sticks out to me, but there was one time, I think it would have been 2008 when the Celtics played the Lakers in the finals. And like the first, you know, game one, they come on the air and Mike Breen like starts the broadcast with it's the Lakers and the Celtics, the way it should be. And as like a Cavs fan sitting there, I'm like, you know, go to hell. Like, like, you know, says who well you know what if if that's what you were raised on and and that was what you came up with that it's about the lakers and the celtics and east coast west coast and big stars then yeah the teams in you know the midwest you know other than chicago you know it's it's tough and and that's how we're viewed so i I mean i can't say that i'm this is a long long long-winded way of saying i can't say i'm entirely shocked that that was the kind of reaction that the Cavs got for their trade deadline and how they handled it. Right. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it's not necessarily even a reflection of the Cavs. It's just they're not, like you said, they're not one of those glamour teams, right? So whoever it was probably would have been treated pretty similarly um, in all likelihood. I don't know how many teams really fall into that category. Probably, shit, probably close to half the league, right? Right. Um, and it's worse so for it's, the Cavs because of all the Gilbert stuff and how much turmoil. They've had. Yeah. I mean, the year they won the championship, they fired their coach when they were in first place in the Eastern Conference. And in the moment, it made sense. And I think in retrospect, it, it obviously worked out. But I mean, at an arm's length, that's an insane move to be making. But I mean, that's the Cavs. And yeah, you know, so yeah, they've done themselves. They've done themselves very few favors in the PR realm as well. So I guess it's it's to be expected that that's how some of their stuff will be received. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like you said, it's, it's, they're not that team that's ever going to attract a whole lot of free agents and things like that. Um, unless they, you know, stumble on a superstar in the draft, like they did, did with LeBron and, and, and make a run at it with that. So it, yeah, you're right. The league has always been built that way because it is such a superstar driven league. Um, having those superstars in the most profitable markets is, generally good um i don't know that it's um i don't know that it's particularly good for the league when a team like the knicks is is as dreadful as they've been for the last shit when's the last time the knicks were respectable 20 years yeah they they had a brief cup of coffee in the playoffs about 10 years ago i think but other than that yeah yeah 99 they made the finals right so i mean I'm not one of these guys who fawns over the Knicks all the time, and you know, Madison Square Garden, this, that, and the other thing, right? I couldn't, don't give a shit. Um, but I do think, from a league perspective, you have to acknowledge that, yeah, having a team that is in that market and has that kind of a, I don't know, it's hard to say because their brand's shitty right now, but generally they they should be a premium franchise right and they're terrible so it's I, I can totally understand where they're coming from from that perspective as well so as much as i'm a fan of one of those other teams who's at the other end of the spectrum um i can see both sides of it i guess i don't i don't know that there's a whole lot you can do about it quite yeah. frankly i mean you, those teams already have 
I, I guess the Knicks don't because they're such a dumpster fire. But those those high profile franch, uh, franchise cities have already have a huge built in advantage. Like look at the Lakers. Even when they're not very good, they somehow manage to get LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like it's it's not it's not that they have a great front office. It's not that they you know they are a model organization. It's that they have a name and a city and a brand that guy like LeBron feels like I can go there. Not only do I know that they can potentially put together a decent team around me, because let's be honest, everyone can. Um, but I can do some other things there. I can build my own brand. I can help. It's it's better for the NBA. Um, so all those things are sort of factors, and you sort of have to acknowledge that yeah, those those teams already have a huge advantage, um, just being what they are. It's not ne- necessarily anything they've earned or any anything that's based on merit. So you know what? I don't I don't care, David Stern, if you're not happy with where Kevin Durant ended up. Um, but I, I can't necessarily say I blame him either. Are you ready for a small market hot take? Yeah, I love small market hot takes. Uh, as, as a fan in a small market, I am actually, I'm ready for the Knicks to be good. I like their uniforms. Yeah. I, I, I like their uniforms, Madison square garden. You know, I, I think the history and all that and the mystique gets blown way out of proportion. But just aesthetically, it's one of my favorite NBA buildings to look at on TV. They're going to be talked about ad nauseum anyway. They might as well just be good. Just make them good. Yeah. If I if I have yeah. to hear about them all the time, make them a relevant team again. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I'll be honest, I don't really like when any team is terrible for that long. Like small market, big market, any league, anyone. It's it's you start to wonder like why are you even there? Like why do you exist? Um, and that shouldn't be the case, especially for a team with the, with the, uh, track record of the Knicks before, you know, you know, they've, they've, they are one of those teams that was always in it. They're, they've never been a dynasty and they've never been, you know, one of the, they've never been like the premier franchise in the league. Right. But for a long time, they were pretty damn competitive and they were giving the bulls a run for their money. Um, those series in the early nineties yeah. were awesome. Yeah. That was, were... that was the NBA that like made basketball, like yeah. my favorite sport mm-hmm. watching those teams beat the hell out of each other in the early nineties. I love that. Yeah. And I think, I think there is something to be said as, as a guy who's a Cavs fan, I'll watch Cavs playoff games. I will watch a handful of other playoff games, but there's a pretty good likelihood that if the Knicks are in the playoffs, I'll, that's one of the games that I'll, I'll turn on. Right. I'm not watching every game. I don't watch every game. I, I, I don't watch most playoff games. Um, but if, you know, if, if the Knicks were in it, there's a few teams that, yeah, I'd want to see, see if maybe they got it figured out, see if they're, they're finally turning things around. Um, and people say it, and I'll be honest, I'm one of the guys who has scoffed at it for a long time, but I think I've kind of come around on it. The NBA is probably not probably the NBA is better when teams like the Knicks are good. They don't need to be great. They don't need to be, you know, dynasties, but they need to be competitive. Yeah. Who do you think makes the playoffs first, the Knicks or the Cavs? Oof. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, you know what? Give me the Cavs. I love it. I Give me love the Cavs. It. Give me the Cavs. Why not? All right. I, I just I I feel like if you put, even if you put both franchises, if you put if both franchises were at the exact same point right now. And you said they're going to be drafting in the exact same position, and everything, every every decision they have to make will be under identical circumstances. I will say I think the Knicks are the only team I have less faith in than the Cavs to make the right decision, but still I would prefer the Cavs. Well, the uh, the Knicks right now, I'm looking at the uh, the standings. The Knicks are two and a half games ahead of the Cavs, so. Um... For whatever that means in the in the future planning, uh, that's where they're starting from right now. So, nice. All right. Know. All right. Well, that means nothing to me. No, I know. I know. <laughs> I was just kind of wondering because I'm thinking to myself, I'm yeah, like, are, they, are they like closer to the? the what the place does that put the? What place does that put the next? What are they like twelfth in the conference? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So that'll be fun. There you go. 
All right. Anything else on your mind? Oh, no, man. We went long. We did. We had a lot to talk it about. Out. It's been a while. We did. It's been, it has been a while. It's good to be back stateside. Yeah. yeah I don't want to talk. Um, I don't want to talk uh, Cheesecake Factories. I don't want to talk. No. I definitely don't want to talk um, the Ohio State thing. That's, that's a mess, and I think it's probably a story that will go away relatively quickly, but I have no effort to spend any time on it. No, that's 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 not good either. So. Yeah, I I think it was handled well by Ryan Day. That's it. Um, not well, a whole lot else to say about it, you know. No. Well, let's uh, let's not go another month before we do one of these again, and uh, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Might have to open up the uh, the old mailbag here. Get some uh, reader oh, questions or listener questions. Mailbag. I love yeah. the mailbag. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll shoot for that next week. It uh, it's been about a year yeah, or so since we've done that. If you're listening now, start thinking of something. Yeah, send us a question on Facebook, facebook.com slash the nail podcast, or uh, tweet at us at the nail podcast on Twitter, or uh, you know. Half the people who listen to this, I think, uh, probably have our cell phone numbers. Text us a question. We'll probably read yeah. it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely. definitely. <laughs> no, not probably. We definitely will. Uh, there is zero doubt that we will shout you out if you reach out to us. Yeah. So in the meantime, make sure you are subscribed to The Nail in the Coffin on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or tune in or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to your podcast these days. You can also stream us on waitingfornextyear.com. That's going to do it for us for this week. For Travis Julie, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin, and we'll talk to you again soon. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!